Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Um, Pastor Joel and I, if you've uh, been here on Wednesday nights, uh, Pastor Joel and I just went through a study on the book of Hebrews. And um, man, my heart was challenged as we prepared uh, for that series of classes. And um, so if you, if you are in that class, then some of what I'm going to say this morning is f- familiar to you. But I just wanted to share... Um, some things that, uh, that God spoke to my heart about, and hopefully uh, you'll be encouraged this morning as we talk about living by faith. Um, hey, I'm not a football guy. I, I was telling Dan this morning, I, I'm, I'm a Bama fan because um, I was born a Bama fan. You know what I'm saying? You, you live in Tuscaloosa, you're a Bama fan. I mean, that's what you are. Um, and uh, so, but as you, I couldn't tell you a quarterback, a dimeback, a nickelback, um, a Big Mac, I don't know. Uh, they're, they're all the same to me when it comes to football. And so, um, but, but I love a good story. And whether you're a Georgia fan or not, and I'm not a Georgia fan, um, there's something pretty remarkable about Herschel Walker. And uh, some of you Georgia fans, uh, uh, before, I mean, you got a national championship this uh, past year, but before that you had to go back about 42 years um, uh, to uh, celebrate your national championship. And a guy named Herschel Walker um, took the Georgia Bulldogs to the national championship in 1980. But if you look at the life of Herschel Walker, you're going to see a guy who didn't start out athletic. In fact, his story tells us that um, that he, as a as a kid, he enjoyed literature and poetry, and uh, he wrote poetry. And uh, because of his sedentary lifestyle, um, he became a chubby kid, right? And so he wasn't athletic at all. And also, he developed a stutter. His mom was convinced that she wasn't going to allow Herschel Walker to use his weight or his issue stuttering to keep him from doing something incredible. And so somewhere around the age of 12 years old, Herschel Walker started a self-imposed exercise routine. And that first year he started that exercise routine, he did 100,000 push-ups, 100,000 sit-ups, and um, he sprinted various distances. He, uh, he played, uh, he became, in, from 1976 to 1979, he became a, a three-sport athlete at Johnson County High School in Wrightville, Georgia. He played basketball, he ran track, but he really excelled at football. Um, in his first three years of his high school football career, he ran for 2,000 970 rushing yards. That's pretty incredible. His senior year of high school, he ran for 30, right around 3,200 rushing yards in high school, just his senior year. And so that's, that's pretty remarkable, right? And um, he led his high school to their first ever 
national, I mean not national, state championship in, um, in, in, in that year. And so he went on to play football. He was the most sought after running back in the nation. He went on to play football for the Georgia Bulldogs. And as they say, the rest is history. In 19, I believe it was 1982, he won the Heisman Trophy after being nominated two years and coming in third for the Heisman nomination. And then in 1999, Herschel Walker was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. I think most people could make a good case that Herschel Walker is one of the best, if not the best, football player to play college football. But he got there because he learned to overcome adversity. He developed a plan to make him excellent at football, and he reaped the reward for doing so. This morning, we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 11. And some people have called Hebrews chapter 11 not the Hall of Fame, but the Hall of Faith. Because listed in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, are these people who did some remarkable things in their life. Just like, similar to Herschel Walker, these are people who overcame adversity, they had a plan, and they reaped the benefit. And the truth is, all of us face adversity in our life, right? We all have things that we come in uh, that come, come into play in our life that we struggle with, and Pastor Joel in his sermon last week called those things storms. We all have storms in our life or difficulties in our life that we deal with. And where do we go and where do we turn to when we have those difficulties? I was on staff several years ago, many years ago actually, um, at a church across town in Chattanooga. And uh, the church I was serving had a rescue mission um, that, that was a part of the ministry of the church. And really my job was more connected to the rescue mission than it was uh, what went on in the church. But I remember one Sunday night after church, um, the pastor came to me and another staff member and said, hey, I'd like to talk to you guys uh, in the office. And so we went in his office and he said, hey, listen, um, we need $8,000 by Wednesday to keep the mission open. And um, he said, I, have, I, I just don't know what to do. And I, I wanted to talk to you guys and see if you guys had any ideas. What, you know, what is something we could do? And I said, uh, I said man, I, I think we need to start with prayer. I think we need to have a prayer meeting, the three of us right here, right now. And I think we need to communicate the need to the church and let them know. Some of them may want to give, but we need them praying for sure. I won't ever forget his response to me that night. He said, Jeremy, we don't have time to pray. Often that's our response to adversity. We get in the moment and we think, man, I can figure this thing out on my own. I, I don't have time to go to God and wait and see what God's plan is for my life. I'm just going to struggle through it and make it on my own. That's exactly where the audience of the book of Hebrews found themselves. Paul, who we believe to be the writer of the book of Hebrews, spent the entire book telling these people who were under Roman persecution, they were under rule by the Roman Empire, and Paul spends the entire book telling them, hey, listen, you can make it. There were these people who were contemplating and struggling with the idea 
uh, of do I go back to my old way of life? They had become Christians. They had converted from the uh, Jewish sacrificial system that took place in the temple. They were followers of Jesus, but they were under persecution, and they were trying to make the decision, man, I, I think I had it better back in my old life. We all struggle with this type of adversity um, in our life. In that moment, in that pastor's office, I'd experienced what God had done in the life of my family. I remember there were times growing up when we didn't have groceries or we were worried about the electricity getting cut off. And I, and I watched God provide for my family. And it gave me confidence that he could do it again. Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verses 32 through 38. I want to start with reading uh, that passage of Scripture because it kind of sets up where Paul is heading in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 through 38. Paul says this, Remember the earlier days when after you had been enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to taunts and afflictions. Other times you were companions of those who were treated that way. For you sympathized with the prisoners and accepted with joy the confiscation of your possessions because you knew that you yourselves have a better and enduring possession. So don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you need endurance so that after you have done God's will, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, the coming one will come and not delay Verse 38, but my righteous one will live by faith. And if he draws back, I will have no pleasure in him. Paul is saying to these believers, you've been here before. When you converted, the, your friends in the temple gave you a hard time. They took your possessions. They made fun of you. They mocked those that came alongside you. He's quoting in that moment a passage from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, Paul uses that passage three times in the New Testament. One in, uh, I believe it's Galatians chapter 3, verse 11, and then Romans chapter 1, verse 17. The just shall live by faith. As believers, we are called to a life of faith. Another passage that I think helps us understand the role of faith in our life is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 6 through 10 says, So we are always confident and know that while we are at home and in the body, we're away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. In fact, we are confident we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Therefore, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to be pleasing to him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each may be repaid for what he has done in his body, whether good or evil. Paul's telling the church at Corinth here that the journey you're on, the faith journey you're on, is a, the, the, the Christian walk is a life of faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. It's our purpose to be pleasing to God. And if we're going to be pleasing to God, we must live by faith. Then one other passage before we get into Hebrews chapter 11, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says this, So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. 
based on these passages of scriptures, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and Romans uh, chapter 10, here's what we know. We know that we are to live a life of faith. We know that when we live a life of faith, God is pleased with our life. And we know that faith comes through the Word of God. And as we hear the Word of God proclaimed in the church, as we read the Word of God in our daily quiet times, we are convicted by the Word of God to be obedient to the Word of God in our faith increases. The writer of the book of Hebrews, Paul says to the audience of the book of Hebrews throughout the book, Jesus is a better person. Jesus is a better high priest. Jesus is a better sacrifice. And Jesus brings to us a better promise. All of this must be seen and must be lived by faith. And so now read with me Hebrews chapter 11. Stand with me if you would as we read Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For by this our ancestors were approved. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts. And even though he is dead, he still speaks through his faith. By faith, Enoch was taken away and he did not experience death. He was not to be found because God took him away. For before he was taken away, he was approved as one who pleased God. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, after he was warned about what was not yet seen and motivated by godly fear to build an ark to deliver his family, by faith he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents, as did Jacob co-heirs. Jacob and Isaac co-heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring even though she was past age, since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. Therefore, from one man, in fact, from one as good as dead, came offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and innumerable as grains of sand along the seashore. Verse 13, these all died in faith. Although they had not received the things that were promised, they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. Thank you. You may be seated. We live in a physical world, right? We live in a physical, material world, and we process the physical world that we live in through our five senses. We have taste, smell, touch, hearing, and sight. We process everything that we understand about the physical world through those five senses. Scientists tell us that every time we touch something, 
an impression is made on our brain. Every time we smell something, an impression is made on our brain. Every time we see something, an impression is made on our brain. In fact, scientists tell us through research that more than 80% of the impressions made on our brain come through our sight. And so knowing that, it's easy for us to say that the most important sense uh, when it comes to processing the world we live in is our what? It's our sight. Our sight is our most important sense. And so we as followers of Jesus, we also live in a spiritual world. There's spiritual warfare going on around us. Um, And we process our spiritual world, the spiritual world that we live in, we process that by faith. We read in, uh, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith is the spiritual sense that we process the spiritual world. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says faith is the reality of what's hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. Okay? He goes on to explain that and help them understand that in verse 3. It says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. When you drove down Peavine Road, whatever way you got here this morning, Three Notch, Peavine, Peavine, Long Hollow, however you got to this building, when you pulled up to the building, you saw a building, right? And while you may not know who made this building, who built this building, the fact is you know because a building is standing here, someone built this building. Similarly, when you look at creation and you see the physical world around you that that was created, you know that someone created creation. It's a pretty profound statement right there, isn't it? Someone made what is around you. And based on what we know from Genesis chapter 1, God is the creator. Sometimes there's a tension that exists between science and faith. Sometimes people who aren't followers of Jesus and don't understand faith, they would say that we serve a God that expects us to take blind leaps of faith. We serve a God who wants us to take informed leaps of faith. We can look at creation and we can say there's a creator. That's not a blind leap of faith. That's an informed leap of faith. And that's how we process the world. Paul continues in Hebrews. He's telling uh, the, the audience of the book of Hebrews, he's listing these people Um, who lived a life of faith, and he's talking about them this morning. I want to look at a couple of them this morning. Um, The next slide, I think I'm right, is, By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts, and even though he was dead, he still speaks. Now, why is Cain, I mean, why is Abel included in the hall of faith? The sacrifice that Abel made compared to the sacrifice that Cain made is a contrast between works and faith. 
Cain offered a sacrifice to God that he made with his hands. Abel, by faith, made a sacrifice to God that was pleasing to God by the design of God, by the order of God, and by faith he made that sacrifice, and his faith speaks to us today. That was an important contrast to, for Paul to make to the believers. Because what they were leaving, what the, what the audience of the book of Hebrews was leaving was a life of works. It was a life of sacrifices that had to be made in order to please God. And now that Jesus has come, that sacrificial system has been done away with. By faith, Enoch was taken away, and so he did not experience death. He was not found because God took him away. For before he was taken away, he was approved as one who pleased God. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe, number one, that God exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. Enoch was taken away because he pleased God. Enoch pleased God with his faith. By faith, Noah... After he was warned about what was not yet seen and motivated by godly fear, built an ark to deliver his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, just a second. Can you imagine being Noah? God comes to Noah and says, I am going to destroy life on the earth. Right? That includes Noah, right? As God's telling Noah this, I'm going to destroy life on the earth, I think he got Noah's attention, don't you? And he said, I found you righteous, Noah, and I'm going to save you and your family. And I want you to build an ark because it's going to rain. Noah had never seen rain. He didn't know what a flood was, but God told him, he, told him it was coming. And by faith, Noah believed God and uh, his family was preserved because of it. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. In this passage about Abraham, Paul is telling the audience of the book of Hebrews, hey, we're not here for now. We're here for later. This world is not our home. These people who are listed in the hall of faith, they understand they're not living for this world. They're living for the world to come. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age, since she considered the one who had promised was faithful. Therefore, from one man, in fact, one who was as good as dead, came offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and innumerable as the grains of sand along the seashore. Sarah had seen what God had done in her family. She had seen God's faithfulness in her family's life, and she knew that God could do what he promised to do in her own life, and she was obedient to him. Then in verses 13 through 16, it says, These all died in faith, although they had not seen the things that were promised. So here's what's going on here. These people practiced 
the, the, the Jewish um, sacrifices in the temple. They practiced the ritual cleansings in the temple. They were obedient to the law. Because by faith, they knew and understood that something better was coming. And the sacrifices that they made in the temple painted a picture of the gospel. But they knew that Jesus would come one day and he would replace all of that for them. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but they saw him and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. Now those who say such things make it clear they're seeking a homeland. If they were thinking about where they came from, they would have had an opportunity to return. But now they desire a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for him, for them. By faith, these, uh, these people, Abraham, Noah, Sarah, and others that are listed in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, they believed God would do what he said he would do. They had three things in common. Number one, they saw how big God was. Can you imagine the emotions Abraham must have had? In all of these things that were asked of these people listed in this passage of Scripture were big asks. Abraham was told, hey, I want you to go somewhere where you're a foreigner. I want you to go and live in that place as a foreigner. I mean, eventually, it's going to be given to you as an inheritance, but you're going to be a foreigner there. You're going to live in tents. And, um, but I, I'm, going to, I'm going to give you offspring, um, as many as the stars in the sky, as many as uh, the sands um, in, on the seashore. And all the nations of the world are going to be blessed through your seed. Now, getting land as inheritance, I imagine that sounded pretty good to Abraham, don't you think? Being blessed, the entire peoples of the earth being blessed through your offspring, I mean, that's a pretty good thing right there, isn't it? Abraham was probably excited about that. I don't think anybody wants as many kids as there are stars in the sky, right? Um, but uh, God used uh, Abraham uh, to make a difference, and Abraham believed that God was big enough to do what he said he would do. Even though there were a lot of moving parts, a lot of things that happened in Abraham's life, he was obedient to God. In C.S. Lewis, The Chronicles of Narnia, um, the, um, the, the book Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, um, Aslan represents Jesus, and Lucy represents faith. And there's a passage in that book um, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where Lucy sees Aslan. She, she begins to believe the first time she sees Aslan, and then she sees him again much later. And she looks at him and said, Aslan, you're bigger. And Aslan says, no, you've grown, Lucy. And as we learn and as we grow and as we are obedient to God, God becomes bigger in our lives. And when God becomes bigger in our lives and we see what he can do, then our, uh, it becomes easier for us when we face adversity, when we go through storms to fall on him 
and completely trust Him for all that is going on in our life. The more she knew, the more she grew, the more she understood, the bigger God became. Number two, they saw the opportunities that God provides. We talked a little bit about Noah earlier, but, but just, just could you imagine? God's going to destroy the earth, all living creatures on the earth, all the people, all the animals, everything's going to be destroyed. And Noah gets that news, and it's frightening to him. God says, but I want you to build a boat. And I want you to build it big enough that it can carry you and your family for a lot of, lot of days. I want it big enough that it can carry two of every kind of living creature for a lot of days. And all the food that you'll need and all the supplies that you need. And, God saw, and Noah saw the opportunity that God provided through the ark. The Bible doesn't tell us this, but we could assume that Noah was probably made fun of. In fact, Noah might have been the first conspiracy theorist, right? And so Noah was probably given a hard time, and there were probably uh, people who mocked him and taunted him and made fun of him, yet he was faithful to God because he knew the opportunity that God was providing for him. And then number three, they saw the power of God. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The heroes of Hebrews chapter 11, they saw the faithfulness of God to do in their lives specifically what he said he would do in and through him. They, everything that they practiced, the, the sacrifices, the ceremonies, the rituals, everything these people did was pointing to the gospel. And Jesus came, and the gospel became the power of God to accomplish the plan of God through the people of God. The power of the gospel justifies us. That is, it makes us right with God. The power of the gospel sanctifies us, and that's where we respond to the Holy Spirit as we learn and draw closer to Him. And one day, we'll be glorified through the power of the gospel when we see Jesus and we're made like Him. And so, the writer of the book of Hebrews is saying to the audience of the book of Hebrews, have faith in Jesus. Have faith in the gospel. And I know you're going through a hard time, and I know there are struggles taking place in your life right now, but, but trust God. Be faithful to Him. Live a life of faith. These people did it, and so can you. What you believe about Jesus and the new covenant must be believed by faith. Hebrews 11, verse 32 says, What more can I say? Time is too short. And then he goes on to give a list of other names that could be included in the hall of faith. If Hebrews chapter 11 were still being written today, 
Would it include people like D.L. Moody? Would it include Charles Spurgeon? Would it include people like Billy Graham? If Hebrews chapter 11 were continuing to be written today, would it say in 1836 a group of people in northwest Georgia believing that God was calling them to reach their community established Peavine Baptist Church? Would it say by faith in 2016, Joel Sutherland, believing that God was still at work and there was more to do at Peavine Baptist Church, accepted the call to be the pastor at Peavine Baptist Church? Would it say in 2017, Peavine City was established as a ministry area for Peavine Baptist Church, an area to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? If Hebrews chapter 11 were continuing to be written, would it say in 2018, believing that God was calling us to reach Peavine City through campus ministry, we launched Rossville? If Hebrews chapter 11 were continuing to be written, would your name be included? By faith, you accepted an invitation to come into a personal relationship with Jesus. By faith, you believed that God was calling you to do a work here. And if you can't see that God is at work in this place, it's unbelievable, isn't it? What God is doing through his people in this place. And it's not because of me, and it's not because of Pastor Joel, it's not because anyone else on our staff, it's because God has chosen to do a work in a place with a group of people who are choosing to be faithful to him. I say this every time someone joins Peavine at the Next Step Station. I pray this prayer every single time, word for word. I say, God, would you help us to be the church that would spur these people on in their faith journey with you? And would you help them to be members who will help us accomplish the mission of reaching every person in Peavine City with the gospel? It takes all of us by faith to do what God has called us to do. By faith, what are you doing to help accomplish the mission? If Hebrews 11 were still being written, would your name be there? We have an incredible team that serves on this campus Sunday night, Wednesday night, throughout the week in different areas of ministry. And I've got in my notes, and I'm not going to call the different ministry teams, but, man, we've got people doing all kinds of stuff here on Sunday morning. And sometimes there's this idea that I'm too old to serve. Sometimes there's this idea that maybe I'm too young or I'm not capable. Maybe there's this idea, and this is the one that I hear most, I've done all that stuff before. It's time to let the new people do that. God is calling you to a life of faith and a life of obedience. If you're watching online, uh, Corbin's got a word for you. If you're, if you're in the room or you're at Rossville, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Thank you, Pastor Jeremy, for that encouraging message this morning. Faith. It's something we all have to have as Christians. But I think the important thing to note about faith is that faith isn't simply about knowing God, it's about obeying God. And I think that 
that part of it is where we often have the biggest struggle as Christians. Is it's, it's pretty easy to trust in God and to believe in God and to know He is who He says He is, but it's a whole other thing to obey Him in your daily walk, in your daily life, in your daily decisions. And so I don't know how that message spoke to you this morning as a Christian, uh, but I know there's things in my own life that I can evaluate and see. Is my life aligning? Is my faith aligning with what Christ would have for my life? And so we hope you were encouraged by that today. But the truth is, you, you can't focus on your faith and your obedience to Christ if you don't know Christ. And so that's where we kind of have to start in our Christian walk is, is you can't have faith until you first believe in Christ and, and you give your heart and life to Him. And so it has to start with that first part. You've got to believe in Jesus Christ. You've got to give your heart and life to Him before you can ever expect to obey Him. And so today we want to give you that opportunity because becoming a Christian really is as simple as A, B, and C. A, you've got to admit that you're a sinner and that you can't save yourself. And then B, you've got to believe that Christ died on the cross, that He rose again on the third day, and He ascended into heaven where He is now. And then C, you've got to confess your sins and commit your life to Christ. And it really is that simple. And we do every bit of that in the form of a, a very simple prayer. And I think it's important to note that it's not the prayer that saves you, but it's the intent of your heart uh, to give your heart and life to Christ. That is your salvation. And so I want to make sure you understand this isn't a prayer that I pray for you. This is a prayer you pray and uh, I'm just gonna help guide you through that. And so if you'd like to give your heart and life to Christ this morning, then right where you are, in the stillness of this moment, just bow your head and tell God this. Say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. God, I believe you died on the cross for me. By faith, I believe you are who you say you are. And God, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins, come into my heart, give me a home in heaven, save me. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. Hey, can I tell you wherever you're watching from this morning that if you just prayed that prayer, then you are now a Christian. You now have faith in Jesus Christ. And so we want to say welcome to the family. We are so thrilled uh, for you to make that decision this morning, but we want to make sure we resource you and help you on your faith journey. And so if you would right now, if you would just check the, uh, the link we've dropped in the chat box that says, I prayed to receive Christ today. Or you can simply pull out your phone just now and text I did to the number 97,000. That's I-D-I-D to the number 97000. And we're just going to connect with you. We're going to send you some information to help you on your faith journey because we don't want you to do this alone. And we want to make sure we help resource you in your walk with Christ. Well, it's been a great day in the Lord's house and we are so thankful for you, our Pivon online community. And so we are th so thrilled to have this worship experience with you uh, today. And we hope to see you again next week. Take care. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.